Lord, we do need you in every moment of every day. We need you, Lord. We thank you that you are the God that's done miracles in the past. You've done mighty things. You've done things that have caused our minds to be open to your power. But Lord, you haven't just done those in the past. We thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you for what you will do into the future, Lord God. We thank you that you are a God that is working and moving in our lives today. And we pray, Lord God, for your word right now, that it would work and move in our hearts. As we open up your word today, as we look at what you want to speak to us, I pray that we would be encouraged today. I pray you do a heart check on us today, Holy Spirit, and that you'd work and move powerfully in our lives, that our hearts be open to all that you want to speak to us today, we pray. And Lord, we pray that the Newcastle Knights will absolutely smash the Panthers in today's game. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You can take a seat. <laughs> I didn't get a really good heartily Amen at the end of that, but um, at least join me for the rest of the prayer if you're not a Newcastle Knights fan. But uh, I do believe we're going to get the win this afternoon. I think it's a, it's a wise move that the Panthers rest all their State of Origin stars today so that the Knights can get the win. It's good. Well, how are you going this morning? Give me a big smile. Give me a huge smile. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look incredibly good looking. <laughs> ah, you're a good looking bunch. Well, I want to speak to you today a message entitled, Healthy Hearts. And we've started a series over the next five weeks called Healthy Hearts. And over this series, we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of different elements that make up our lives and talking about how we can live with health. As well as our Sunday services, we're going to be running this through our Connect Groups. And I wanted to alert all of our Connect Group leaders know that there are Connect Group leader notes out in the, the welcome desk, which you can grab after the service today. And there are videos online on our website that you can watch, uh, short videos for each session that um, really speak and recap into the issues we're going to be speaking about at church over these next five weeks as well. And so I just wanted to make you aware of that. You can grab the notes and everyone can access them on our website as well. But we're going to be talking about health and how, how we can have a healthy heart. Over these five weeks, we're going to be talking about spiritual health. We're going to be talking about physical, mental and emotional health. We're going to be talking about financial health, relational health and community health. And so all of these elements that make up our lives so that we can flourish and be the person that God has intended us to be. And I think we all have times in our life where we need to have a health checkup and just make sure that we're doing well on the inside. And so we're hoping that these next five weeks are an opportunity to do that as we're talking about our strengthening home offering of what we give outside. We want to have a look inside as well and say, God, I'll strengthen, strengthen my heart, strengthen what's going on on the home on the inside, strengthen my, my inner man and make sure that I'm healthy and doing well. And I think that's really important because everything that happens on the outside actually starts on the inside. And when I look at my life, I can look at seasons of my life where I have behaved or said things or acted in a certain way out of a place where I haven't been healthy on the inside and it's caused me damage. And likewise, I can see that there's times in my life where I have been healthy on the inside and I've been able to have a healthy response in my words or my actions. But the truth is it all starts on the inside. 
It's an inside job. You know, it says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, we're going to talk particularly about spiritual health today. It says in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In the NIV translation, it says it this way, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The heart, in Scripture, when we look at it, it's talking about the inner man, your mind, your will, your understanding, your soul, the seat of your emotions and passions. That is your heart. Now, only you know whether your heart is healthy or not. I recently went to the doctor and they did a checkup on all of my levels and they found that my cholesterol level was high. I know, it's tough. I've got to get off the KFC for a little while. And so they they did this check, but I didn't have any signs on the outside that my cholesterol was high or that I was at a higher risk in the future of heart attack or stroke or any of those things that can affect your heart. I just did a random uh, check of my levels and I discovered that the level was high. And I wonder today whether we could allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us some things that we need to do in our hearts, some adjustments that maybe we need to make so that we can be healthy. Some things that perhaps we don't know because we're just in the rhythms of our normal life, but we would open up our hearts today and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what needs to change. I love King David. He said it this way, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And there are little things that can sometimes get into us on the inside that can cause us damage and decay. And if we don't address them and make those changes, they can actually cause chaos in our life. They can lead to a heart attack. They can lead to a stroke. They can lead to us being affected in our spiritual lives in a way that we perhaps would not have intended. I've heard it said before that the theme of your heart determines the story of your life. And we want to live the kind of life that God's called us to live. And so let's make sure that we are healthy on the inside. I love in 1 Timothy 4 verse 8, it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And so making sure that we are healthy on the inside and building these godly hearts is so crucial and so important. Now, the hard work is this, taking what we have, our encouragement on a Sunday, this hour and a half that we have together on a Sunday, the hard work of our hearts is, is moving from this high point and this high place of great atmosphere, great connection with people, and going out to the rest of our week, which is really 99.9% of our week, and making sure we're healthy then. Because thank God for Sundays, it's a bit of a checkup, it's a bit of an encouragement, but it's such a small portion of our week in serving God. And how we uh, represent on Monday and how we live on Tuesday and Wednesday, that is so crucially important. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that was great for this 0.001%. I want to make sure that I'm healthy in those other areas of my life throughout the week, and that really starts in our heart. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, come with me to this key text. It's really simple, but it's powerful. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. It's the story where uh, a man comes to Jesus and he asks him, what is the most important commandments? And it says here in verse 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. 
Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And I think there's a collective lean-in, even from Jesus' disciples in this moment. There's a collective lean-in from the crowd to see whether they can catch Jesus out in this moment. But Jesus' followers also would have been thinking to themselves, I wonder what he's going to say to this. What is he going to respond? There were hundreds of laws in that time that people had to abide by. And so how is Jesus going to boil it down to what was the most important thing? I think it's something we should be leaning in on and listening to what was said as well. It says here, Jesus responded, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than than these. So Jesus takes all these hundreds of laws and the Ten Commandments and all the laws of the time and he boils it down to these two things. Love God, love people. And it's that simple. And I think when we look at our lives, when we look at having a healthy heart, the greatest indicator of your spiritual health is your love. Let me say that again one more time. The greatest indicator of your spiritual health is your love. That's what you're primarily called to do. If you want to have a healthy heart, it's really about loving God and loving people. And everything you do flows out of that place. Now, we have a lot of things that make life complicated. We have a lot of things that we focus on, a lot of things in our schedule through the week that can make us busy and distracted. We can have a lot of complications in our relationships, a lot of frustrations, things that happen, disappointments. We, have all, we all have a past. We all have pain that we've caused others or that others have caused us. And what can happen is it can cause blockages there. We can be angry with God because of something that's happened in our life an experience, a pain, a hurt, something that happened to us that we we didn't expect, something we didn't want to happen in our lives, and we can have this blockage with God. We can have blockages with one another where we have frustrated or hurt one another. We've disappointed each other. We've had uh, a failed marriage, or we've had a friendship that's let us down, or we've had uh, a son or a daughter that we've had uh, clashes with, or we, we have problems in life that complicate it, and it's It's all this beautiful rosy thing in Scripture to love God and love people. It sounds so simple, but I think we all know it's difficult. It's challenging to do that. It's challenging to to live that out as God's called us to live. And we all love differently. We love with our time, our talents, our words, our service, our gifts, our generosity. It's all part of our expression of love. But your spiritual maturity is measured by your love. You know, we see it in Scripture time and time again. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It says in Scripture, do everything in love. And you're the only one that knows what's going on on the inside. You're the only one that knows what's really going on in your heart. And is it a place of love? Is it a place of relationship with God? Is it a place of, of love for those that are around you as well? And so we're going to look at that this morning How do we love God and love people from a healthy heart? The first thing this morning is we're talking about loving God. It says here to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to talk practically about some of the ways we can do that. The first one is this, we can connect with God. I think one of the biggest things we need to remember is that God is always with us. 
And I think what can happen is that we get up in our day, we get up into our schedules and, 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 and the busyness of what we're called to do that day, and we can forget that God is even there. I think half of the battle is just being aware, God is with me. As I get up today, God's with me. As I walk into my week or the challenges that I have or whatever I'm facing, God is with me in this moment. And I think we need to take some time as spirit-led people to just remind ourselves, God is here. God, you're here. God, I want to be aware of your presence. So often I pray before I go into a meeting or have a conversation with someone, God, help me today. God, help me in this moment. It's not complicated prayer, it's really simple, but it's just so that I'm aware, I'm acknowledging, God, you're here. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Unfortunately, we are, be busy and know that I've got it without God, is often the the, the actual psalm of our generation. But we should remind ourselves, no, 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 Scripture says, be still and know that I am God. So I'm acknowledging God's here. I'm connecting with God. I'm making sure that my life is aware, that my heart knows who is the boss. It says in Matthew 5 verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God in the moments. I want to see God in the opportunities. I want to see the God things that He has for me today. I want to make sure that I'm I'm listening to that nudge of the Holy Spirit, that I'm, I'm aware, I'm connected to God. You know, it says in Scripture, Abide in me and I in you, Jesus speaking, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. We need to be aware. We need to acknowledge God to make sure that we have put him in that place of authority in our life to connect with God. Just do that check, that quick check when we get up in the mornings. God, I know you're with me. God, where are you guiding and leading me today? Just connecting with God. The second thing is this, communicate with God. You know, we're called to communicate. The Psalms are an example of communication with God. And there's some highs and there's some low moments there. But what I love about the Psalms is it's not sanitized. It's just real. It's often David, King David, just pouring out his heart towards God and telling him honestly how he feels. And God can handle that. And God loves for you to communicate with Him. And I thank God for the public prayers and things that we have in church, but our communication with God is not just in the public. 99% of our communication with God is in the private. It says in Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I'm trying to imagine life as a married couple if I just cut communication. How long before my wife would attack me How long before she would get so frustrated with me, she'd kick me out of the house? How long before our marriage would break down if I just cut communication? And we we think about, oh yeah, that's so silly. Of course we communicate as a married couple, but oftentimes in our spiritual life, we cut communication. Things happen, things get hard, we get busy and we cut that communication. I want to encourage you today, don't feel shame if that's been you. Don't feel... uh, 
a sense of like a, a burden, actually just feel, you know what? It's an opportunity for me to reconnect again, for me to communicate again, to make sure that my relationship with God is right. Because I want to connect with God and I want to communicate with God. If I'm going to have a healthy heart, if I'm going to love God as He's called me to, then I need to communicate. You know, the Bible talks about your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. We're allowing God to communicate to us. Letting His Word speak to us and sharpen us and help us to be the people that God has called us to be. The third thing is this, we need to cooperate with God. We're connecting, we're communicating, it all starts with C, and we are cooperating with God. I love in Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we're living our lives cooperating with that nudge from God, cooperating with what God's speaking to us and what He said in His Word and what He's encouraging us in that still small voice so that we are living in this cooperation with God. You know, I've spent a lot of time trying to manage God I spent a lot of time trying to ignore God or advise God on particular topics, but I haven't really found those moments very effective. <laughs> but when I have actually just cooperated with what God has said, I've always seen God's fruit. I've always seen God's power flow in those moments. And even when it's led me to times where I feel like I look silly in the moment, God always has an outcome if I just align myself with Him and allow myself to be in sync with Him, in step with Him, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide my life. My kids love to do this thing where they, they stand on my feet and they, I walk and they're walking as I'm walking on my feet. And it's kind of the image that I have in my mind when I think about living in sync with the Holy Spirit. As God's leading us somewhere and taking that step, we take that step with Him into that direction. It might feel strange, it might feel awkward, it may feel like it's, it's crazy to do, but it's just like Peter walking on that water. He just took that step. He just lived in sync with the Holy Spirit. And a miracle can sometimes be on the other side of just our obedience. So cooperating with God is so important. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, it says in Scripture. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey my commandments there's a cooperation there of being obedient to christ and so that's the first thing loving god and i want to talk a little bit about loving people just for a few moments before we finish this morning you know the golden rule that we see in scripture in matthew chapter 7 it says therefore whatever you want men to do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets we all know it said this way do to others what you want done to you now, it's a simple rule. It's something that we know. We've probably been taught that in kids' church. We've heard that over the years if we've spent any time in church. But it's difficult to apply. Just like all of Scripture, it's difficult to actually live it out. We can have the knowledge, but we have to have that heart build on the inside that, that we live out of that place. See, it's good to put yourself in other people's shoes for a moment and think, what's it like being your friend? What's it like being your husband or your wife? your parent or your son, your daughter, your employee. How do you make others feel? Do people enjoy being around you? Or is it a burden? Is it a chore? 
And I think when we think about that way, we start to think about how I could add value to others, how I could love people well. Some of the areas that we see in Scripture that we're told to love people, uh, we're told to, firstly, I want to talk about loving your family and friends. I think this is really easy for us. It seems silly, but the people that are often closest to us, we can find ourselves getting frustrated with the most. We can have the greatest fights with the people that we love the most. We can have the greatest tension with the people that we love the most because there's a lot of love that's there. Uh, And oftentimes, we can get familiar with these people that we spend so much time with. And so, we can find ourselves making it easier for us to love people outside of our close circle and just having this certain image with other people and loving them and caring for them and and being this nice person around others. But then we can leave our, our leftovers for the people that are in our close circle that you're doing life with. And it's a crazy part of our humanity that we can do that, but we can all fall into the trap of that. And so I want to encourage you today, live from that place of firstly loving your family and friends well. Now, there's no perfect families. And so there's no condemnation this morning that we are expected to have this perfect family where everyone's loving and kind and your kids never frown and they never cry and they never chuck tantrums on the way to church or any of those things. That's just real life. There's no perfect families, but we have a choice in all of those moments to love. I love in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, it says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I think the Holy Spirit and I think the Bible is trying to speak to us here to remind us that the people in our family, our friendship groups are important. We shouldn't overlook, we shouldn't look past, but we should love our family well. How do we serve those that we love the most well? One of the things I remember just after we had our our daughter, Georgia, I think um, Kev came to the hospital and uh, one of the first things that he said to me, it's like a dagger to the heart, um, Kevin Brett, our old senior pastor, he said to me, do you know that a a girl's identity and self-esteem, 85% of that, comes from their father and I was like oh I'm feeling a weight of pressure and uh and and it's just just one of the the stats that are out there and I don't know how you make up that percentage and and I'm sure that there has been many women that haven't had a father or or someone in their life that have found their heavenly father or found a way to be able to get that support and so it's not a mocker on us that we have to have that but What he was trying to say to me is the truth of the responsibility that I had as a parent to be able to bring esteem into this person and love and confidence into this young life. And it was like, oh my gosh, responsibility. This this is massive. And I think for all of us, when we think about our family, we've got to understand what we're building. We're building relationship. We're building confidence into our family. We're building love. We're building what people understand as their normal. So that when they grow and develop and these children grow and develop and they see a marriage, they see a place that is healthy and they see a biblical normal. And as parents, we have the responsibility to set the spiritual tone of our household to make sure that we are taking those moments to take our kids, to take our our partners on the journey of faith together. You know, sometimes it's easier to get in a room of strangers and lead people in prayer and lead people in all these mighty things. But you know what's hard? Praying with your spouse 
Sometimes it's awkward. Praying with your kids. Sometimes it's hard. It's those things that really matter. And we have to win those fights of faith in those battles, in our close circles, in our family and friends. Because otherwise what happens is we build this hypocritical life where we look great on the outside to others, but our inner world can be in turmoil. And when your inner relationships are in turmoil, your heart will be in turmoil, your life will be in turmoil, and there will be chaos to come. And so I want to encourage you this morning, don't neglect the greatest ministry that you will ever lead is your family. The greatest responsibility you have is those that are in your life, in your family, to be able to love and guide and direct them and to be able to help them. You know, I heard another stat the other day that there is a stat that 90% of children, that their father did not go to church with them when they, were with, when they were a child, will not go to church when they become an adult. I, again, I don't know how they come up with these statistics, and this is not a, a, a condemnation statistic at all, because there is no fam- there's no perfect families, and there is no uh, condemnation for us, because we all have a free will choice. But it reminded me again of that emphasis of how important it is to raise our children, to love our families, to love our friends well, create an environment where people can be healthy and well and have a good example. It's important. I love what it says in Scripture. It says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As, you have lo- as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Another. The second thing is this, love the household of faith. You know, I heard recently somebody uh, ask a, a secular, non-Christian journalist, and they asked them this question about Pentecostals. And they said, what would you say to the Pentecostal church? And this, this secular, non-Christian uh, reporter, he said, I would say, or journalist, he said, I would say, embrace your weird He said, something's happened with you lot. You've stopped being weird. He said, what you believe is weird. The way you outwork it is often weird. Everything about what you believe in the Bible, it's kind of weird. But you've got so sanitized and so uh, trying to be like secular in a way that you've lost your weird. And this is coming from someone outside of the church. And I thought, wow. What a challenge that is. He said, you know what, a lot of the other groups that we have that are so strong voices in our society today, they're not afraid to be weird. They embrace their weirdness with everything they've got. They put it all out there. But the church, we're like, no, we're just trying to be relevant and real. You know, all these kind of things. We can find ourselves in that place. Hey, it is weird. We believe someone walked on the water. Hey, it is weird. We believe where the Red Sea was parted and someone walked through it. Hey, it's weird. Someone was in a whale for three days and then they got spat out. Let's embrace it. Let's embrace the household of faith. And we have some weird uncles and aunties in the faith. We have some weird sons and daughters in the faith. I'm probably one of them. We have a bit of that weirdness that's there. But what we're encouraged to do is love the household of faith. Love each other like brothers and sisters. I love the last thing that Jesus did before, one of the the last things he did before he went to the cross is he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. And it seemed like the craziest way to start a new era of leadership. But what Jesus was showing is, hey, we're called to serve one another. And it starts with us in this group. I'm going to ask you to go out and serve the world. 
But it starts here with us. Let's wash each other's feet. Let's look after one another. Let's serve one another and do that well. And out of this place, what's it say? The world will know you for your love for one another, Scripture says. By this, the world will know you. In Galatians 6.10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We have a responsibility to love one another. The third thing is this, love unbelievers. Do you know that people are watching you? Unbelievers are watching you. You may not think it, but they are. I got home the other day after a ride on my motorbike, and um, it was probably a week or so after we'd all had COVID in our family, and I, and I just arrived on my bike, and then as I arrived in my driveway, I saw my next-door neighbour in, in, in my mirrors on my bike standing behind me, and I'm like, the bike's still running, so I turned it off, I'm like, whoa, hello, um, and he's, he goes to me, you just had COVID, didn't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we did. He's like, yeah, I knew. Your cars hadn't moved for seven days. <laughs> and I know all the cars go out on Sundays as well. I don't, we haven't had the conversation of where we go on Sundays yet. But he's like, he'd been watching. He saw, he knew. And I think you've got to remember that there are people in your life, not just watching what you say, they're watching how you live. They're watching your actions. They're watching how you treat them, how you make them feel. It makes a difference. One of my proudest moments in the last few weeks is well, while we had COVID, it was a bit of a cleaning spree in our house. I thought we'd get to rest. And uh, the wife was like, no, it's, it's work time. And so <laughs> I'm cleaning out the gutters and cleaning all the house and doing these, all these things. And so, yeah, so much for my seven days rest. And um, anyway... And so I was out the front and I was, I don't know, are you allowed out the front? I was out the front and um, <laughs> I was high pressure hosing my, my driveway and I'm going through high pressure hosing it. I've seen you come um, up if you want to. Uh, I was high pressure hosing the, the driveway and I've seen just different neighbours and different people and, and I, I thought, well, oh, I did a pretty good job. It looks pretty smick. You know, it was so dirty after a couple of years of not doing it and this, this looks so clean. Anyway, the next day I had the neighbour across the road is out high-pressure hosing their driveway. And then the neighbour two houses down was high-pressure hosing their thing on the, on, the, on the next day. And I'm like, the greatest compliment I can get is that people are following my example. They're out high-pressure hosing their, their houses as well right now. And I thought about that when it comes to our Christian faith. The greatest compliment we can get is to be an example for others, that they would follow our lives and say there's something so attractive about that person. The way they love and care for people. They look for the one. They take care. The way they speak. The way they love their family. The way they love one another. The way they, they show um, this, this sense of that we're different. That we're not living in the world system, but we have a different spirit coming out of us. The fruit of the spirit is being expressed in our peace and our joy and our love. And we're not perfect people. We're going to get it wrong at times. I'm not asking for perfection and neither is Jesus. That's why he died on the cross, because he knew we could never be perfect. But we're striving to grow, to be sanctified, to become who God's called us to be and to love the unbeliever, to care for those. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. He's so loved and I hope that our lives so love the unbeliever and those that are around us that don't yet know Jesus. And finally, Jesus asks us to, to love our enemies. 
it's kind of easy to love people that love us. But the real challenge is to love people that have a different belief system to us, that see the world differently to us, that would argue against our faith, that would argue against the way we live, that would see the world completely different, that would be an enemy to us, somebody that's hurt us or let us down or disappointed us. That's tough. Now, there's this passage in Scripture where Jesus tells us to go the extra mile. And that really comes from the context of the time where a Roman guard could go up to any Jew and say, I want you to carry my military backpack for a mile, which is about 1.4 kilometers. The weight of it was probably about 40 to 50 kg. And they could just say to somebody at any moment, hey, you're a Jew, I want you to carry this for one mile. And Jesus instructs us in Scripture, He uses this example, He says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with them too. And it's a challenge because that's a hard issue. Because all I'm required to do is do the one mile. But in my heart, if I'm going to overflow with love, I'm making the decision to go too. I'm making the decision to love the person that doesn't love me back. To forgive the person that isn't even sorry to let it go, to relax. You know, a heart attack comes from a blockage in an artery. And I think Brendan Jones is here today, but he's just recently had a bypass. There he is. He's recently had a bypass to be able to fix that so the blockage no longer is a problem. And what I love about the Holy Spirit is he is an expert in spiritual bypass surgery. Those things that have blocked us up, unforgiveness, hurt, offense, people that have hurt us, God loves to heal that place. And if we don't allow Him to get to that place and heal us, that's when we can have a spiritual heart attack. That's when we can have a spiritual stroke and something really bad can happen. It's getting those little things sorted now so that we have that freedom there, that life flows in there. The Spirit of God is flowing through our hearts, to love your enemies. Love those people that are different to you. So would you stand with me this morning? 1 John 4 verse 16 says this, And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Can I encourage you to bring it back to what it is about this morning? Loving God and loving people. The health of your life is seen by your love. It's the greatest measure of your spiritual maturity. It's the greatest measure of your growth in Christ is your love for God and your love for people. And here's the thing. Only you know how well you're doing in those areas. It's easy to fake it on the outside, but you know what's going on on the inside. And so as we sing this worship song this morning, I wonder whether you could just have a moment with God. Allow Him to clear some blockages this morning. Remind yourself of the importance of your relationship with God. And just have a word with God. It could be simple as a sentence. But just bring it back to what it's about. Allow God to do a bit of a bypass this morning. God, 
Create in me a clean heart, oh God. I want to have a healthy heart. I want to have a healthy life. It starts from that place of spiritual health. Connecting with God. So why don't we do that this morning? Lord, I pray for each and every person this morning under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord God, that you do a work in our hearts. Lord, we thank you that you've told us to guard our heart. For our life, it all flows out of that. The course of our life is determined by it. And I pray this morning for health in our spiritual man, spiritual woman, our health in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's do some work with God this morning as we sing this last song.